Hello and welcome to this special elections episode of The Stushy, the Scottish politics podcast from DC Thompson that helps you be better briefed. I'm Andy Phillip and on this episode we're making a departure from our regular weekly programme with a series of daily debates to delve into the local issues at the heart of the election on May the 5th. Council elections are an opportunity to cast a vote about vital services affecting our daily lives. Local authorities oversee the running of schools, they collect council taxes, they organise bin collections and a lot more besides. So why are they so often seen as the poor relation of Holyrood and Westminster elections? Too often these local votes are overtaken by rehashed debates between the leading parties with an eye on parliament, not town halls. So we invited our readers and listeners to send their questions to invited councillors and candidates in select local authorities. Derek Healy, the political editor of The Courier, spent time with the four councils in the title's heartland. He started with Dundee before hosting debates for Angus, Perth and Kinross and Fife. We'll be publishing those over four days before rounding it off with a final fifth special in Aberdeen. In Perth and Kinross, there's a real battle going on for control of the authority between the SNP and Conservatives. Nicola Sturgeon certainly seems to think her party is in line for control, but Tories disagree. There are distinct rural concerns which puts housing and transport front and centre. And there's a strong independent influence on the authority too. Derek was joined by John Duff from the Conservatives, Alistair Bailey for Labour, Willie Wilson of the Liberal Democrats, Grant Lane for the SNP and Xander McDade, an independent. Derek started by asking Xander what the single biggest problem is facing the area right now. So the single biggest issue in, I think, rural Perth and Kinross anyway, is housing um, and affordable housing. Uh, For my community, this has now impacted not just services such as uh, the temporary closure of inpatient uh, ward at the local hospital, but it's also causing huge crises for the employment uh, sector um, in terms of tourism, uh, hospitality are struggling to recruit, agriculture struggling to recruit, and fundamentally a lot of this has just come back to affordable housing and the lack thereof and the council has not built nearly enough um, council houses in rural areas in Perth and Kinross. They have done quite a bit in Perth City, um, which is to be commended, but actually the council hasn't tapped into things like uh, the Rural Housing Fund, which is a national fund. So certainly we will be pushing very hard to see the council actually tap into available money um, and I think the council hasn't done nearly enough to do that in terms of tapping into funds that already exist and are there that we could be accessing. So I think for the rural wards, that is pretty much one of the fundamentally biggest issues because it ties in all of those other issues. It causes the effect of falling school roles in rural communities because families just can't afford to live there and can't afford to move out. Grant, I'll come to you there on that one as well, please. I concur totally with uh, uh, Councillor McDade. Housing in the rural uh, communities in my ward and in Highland Ward is definitely the number one topic. Uh, We have a lack of affordable housing. We have, um, because it's such a beautiful place to live, we have many uh, second homes. We have now, um, along with Edinburgh and other areas, suffering um, with a plethora of short-term lets, which are forcing families uh, out of uh, rented accommodation and they cannot afford to stay there. For all the reasons that uh, Xander stated, we, we need to build a sustainable um, uh, economy in these areas. We need to improve transport links because we, people cannot afford to take up uh, lower paid jobs, that, which are vital um, in these areas because they cannot live in these areas and we don't have the transport links to get them out from the city or other areas where they would wish to come. We really have a problem with healthcare in rural areas. We cannot get um, healthcare packages picked up for people who wish to stay in their own home. This is leading uh, to uh, delayed discharge, etc. That is the main number one uh, uh, issue that we have in rural Persia because it is such a beautiful place and such an attractive place for people to come and visit and stay. Willie. Thank you. I'd like to widen that that question um, a little bit by saying COVID recovery. Um, That includes the provision of of affordable housing and and, and a whole range of other issues, mental health issues. Um, We we need, and we're now facing a triple whammy of the effects of Brexit, 
which are affecting our, our communities and our economies in Perth and Ross. We've got um, the COVID recovery that we're having to deal with on a daily basis. And we've also now got the problem of inflation, fuel, fuel prices rocketing. So we're in a, a, almost a perfect storm of, of issues and problems that have got to be tackled. And I think my colleagues are right to highlight um, housing both in Perth City and in the rural areas. But that's just part of the issue, it's part of the problem. We cannot get staff um, to work in the land-based industries. We cannot get staff to work in the, the, the rural economies. We cannot get folk to come and work in some of the hospitality industry venues we've got. Um, be partly because of Brexit and partly because of a whole range of other things. So um, I, I think these are the difficulties. We're going to have to face up to the, the ongoing effects of, of COVID, how that's going to affect our economy, because we've got shortages of everything from bus drivers through to care workers. Uh, and we, we, need to, we need to replace these folk. We need to make sure that our essential services are run. The council itself are having um, problems with recruitment in certain areas of, of engineers, etc. So I, I think there's, that's a huge challenge for whoever ends up being in the, the, the council seats and the administration the next time. That's, I would say, is a number one priority. Can I saw you sh shaking your head here. Do you disagree? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree that uh, coming out of COVID is uh, a, a major part of uh, the problem that we, we face across uh, the world. Uh, um, and and uh, Perth and Ross is no different. That's why um, we decided to help people um, by spending the COVID reserve. The COVID reserve um, is monies that come from governments to uh, help as we come out of uh, the COVID recovery. Um, unfortunately, the Liberal Democrats didn't want to spend any. They wanted to put it away and add it to reserves for, I, for a future time. I think we should be spending now as we come out. The SNP group put forward um, proposals with, to spend that money to help uh, people with financial uh, inclusion measures of putting three welfare rights uh, people into position, staff, and increasing capacity uh, for that, as well as giving, putting 600,000 towards helping these people, not with uh, loans, but with grants for people who cannot heat their houses. And that. So to not spend the COVID reserve money at this time is, a, uh, is an exacerbating problem that Councillor Wilson has stated. Sandra, do you want to come in there? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, just on the back of that point, uh, I think we're all agreed that COVID recovery is going to be vitally important um, going forward because we're hoping this is us coming out of COVID. Um, but it would have been nice to spend some of the COVID reserves on COVID recovery rather than just put them into the council's bank account, where we're now sitting with the highest level of reserves for many, many years. And that's doing absolutely no good to any of our constituents. Whereas, you know, for example, independent councillors and Labour councillors proposed putting forward um, £100 for every household in Perth and Kinross to help them with the cost of living crisis. And certainly, I'm speaking to people on the doorsteps, pensioners who are, would be considered middle class, well off, who are now worried about how they're going to afford to heat their homes over the next year. Um, so actually, I think having that money sitting in our bank account is doing absolutely no good to anyone, regardless of what the money is spent on, whether it's affordable housing or whether it's helping to lower cost of living. It should be actually proactively doing something, and it's not. It's just sitting there doing nothing. Well, I'm conscious of time, but I think you may be wanting to come back in there quickly before we... Yes, I'm glad the, the, this point about the COVID reserve has been raised because spending all in one year is, is simply irresponsible. COVID recovery is going to take a number of years to, to, to be dealt with. It's not going to be a 12-month fix, as, as my colleagues well know. And it's not sitting in the bank account. It's available for um, helping communities and individuals any time if there are proposals come forward, either from politicians or for communities, there'll be an availability to use that money. If you spend it once, you're not going to have it. So it, it's likely to be needed and drawn down for at least one, two or three years yet. Um, spending all in one year is simply irresponsible and imprudent. Alistair, getting back to the original question, which was um, the, the biggest problem facing the area at the moment and, and how you would deal with that. That, that may come into it, uh, but I'll give you the opportunity to answer that. Yeah, and I think just ahead of answering the question directly, just picking up on one of the points that was made there about the COVID reserve, not only is the COVID reserve squirrelled away in a bank account, but also um, the administration at Perth and Kinross voted to actually increase the tax rate. Um, I was of the opinion and the independent councillors that I work with in the chamber at the moment were of the opinion that actually 
the council should be dipping into its own pockets at this difficult time rather than forcing you to dip into your pockets through taxation. Um, more generally, in terms of the original question, Derek, the, the biggest issue that's coming up for me when I'm speaking with people is the cost of living crisis more broadly. And I think housing is a huge part of that because I think housing costs lead to the problems with hunger and energy, crisis, energy prices because people have less, um, less discretionary income because their housing is so expensive. I think one thing that shocked me in my five years so far on the council is how poor sometimes a job some elected members do of seeing what's coming around the corner. A high energy price is what enables and empowers despots around the world like Putin to do silly things like he's doing. In fact, I'll say stupid things, I'll use a harder word there. And so we as a council should have done a better job of anticipating that some form of instability was going to happen in the world because of the high energy prices. Putin, it happens, was the, it happens Putin was the one who did it this time. There might be more to come, sadly. And that was why I supported a budget more, most recently and have supported budgets over time. They've done things like, um, for example, had money to bring our energy supply into our own control, money for the council to invest into community energy generation capacity, to invest in the council's own solar farms, to support cooperative groups in creating their own energy generation capacity so that we're in control of our own energy supply and we're not reliant upon foreign powers for that. And that would be a large part of how I would address the current cost of living crisis. And John? Thanks, uh, Derek. Well, <coughs> for the Conservatives and Perth and Kinross Council, our priority has got to be dealing with levels of poverty in Perth and Kinross. Now, that could be child poverty, it's, it could be rural poverty, it could be fuel poverty. Um, one in five children are currently living in poverty, which is a situation I'm sure none of us uh, can be particularly proud of. Um, the Conservatives would like to tackle that by creating better paid jobs, we want to try and close the attainment gap. Um, we want to maintain the affordable rents. Council in Perth and Carnos is some of the lowest council rents uh, in Scotland. Um, we look to um, um, energy efficiency and improvements in, in welfare rights to make sure that no child goes hungry and has the opportunity to reach their potential. So child poverty is one area. Rural poverty, poverty is not just an urban issue. There's a lot of rural poverty out there, whether it's additional costs for heating, for food, for transport, etc. Um, and also, um, we tend to have lower wages in the rural areas, or maybe seasonal uh, wages. So we need to look at creating more jobs and better paid jobs, um, and improving health as well, which can be a factor in it. So um, poverty is, is going to be the big thing for the Conservatives in uh, Perth and Kinross Council if returned to the administration. But if I could just touch on the issues of COVID reserve, uh, which have been raised. Um, we currently have eight million pounds in the COVID reserve. Um, this year to close the gap in the budget, we used eight million pounds of reserves. We are facing at the moment, a 12 and a half million pound structural deficit in the budget, which is predicted to rise to between 20 and 25 million by the end of this year. Um, so there is a massive, massive financial challenge and the independent Labour and SNP groups proposal to use the £8 million of the COVID reserve all in the one go this year is totally irresponsible and has no eye to the future whatsoever. Um, councils have been underfunded by the Scottish Government for years, so says Audit Scotland. We need a proper financial settlement from the Scottish Government to help us deal with the financial challenges that uh, local authorities are facing. Otherwise, it's going to be very, very difficult come the budget next year. Sander? Yeah, absolutely. I just want to come back in on um, what John said there in terms of I'm fascinated that the Scottish Conservatives are standing on a platform about child poverty because I don't really recall practically any child poverty measures over the past five years. I'd be very interested to hear what they're going to be. Um, on the point around the structural deficit, some of us, if you go back and watch um, the council meetings of the council budget, and you can do that thanks to a motion brought by Councillor Lane and I, which ensured that they weren't deleted after a year so that there is scrutiny, 
Um, if you look back at the previous council budgets, Councillor Duff will see that uh, in my budget speech when I'm moving an amendment, I have warned about the coming structural deficit that we are creating and that his administration kept baking into the budget. This budget structural deficit is of their making, not of the rest of us, because we tried stopping it and we have raised this issue. And so to, to try and suggest that we're being the ones that are being irresponsible is laughable. Um, and I think just on the point about low council rents, is great if you can get a council house. But in Pitlochry, a town of 3,000, there are only eight three-bedroom council houses in the whole of Pitlochry. Eight. Now, you know, that is a huge rural community with a huge economy, and actually there's basically no council houses. So if you can't get a council house, you know, what good is low council rents when actually what you're paying in the private sector is £800 a month for a two-bedroom house? You know, that is not affordable for families who are on minimum wage, and we need to do something about that. And again, five years of inaction on this issue have meant that we are even in a worse situation now than we were before COVID. Billy, I saw you were keen to come in there. The structural deficit, um, the main blame for it is, lies with the council tax freeze imposed upon us by the SNP for 10 years, where um, we've got basically an extra grant, but of course your council tax didn't accumulate, didn't increase year by year. And, and the most conservative, and that's the only time I'll use the word, John, um, estimate, uh, that's the council losing 10 to 12 million pounds per annum. Now, if you take that for 10 years, that's 100 million pounds. Now, that would have made a huge difference to the provision of services and the balancing of the budget. So it's a bit hypocritical um, to hear that it laying all the door. Um, I, I'm, no, I'm no here to advocate any policies of the, the Conservatives and Union, it's far from it. However, um, we need to be live in the real world of seeing where the problem is, the lack of the, the increase in ring fencing by the Scottish Government, the decrease in funding at every level, and the knock-on effect for everybody, including all the folk that the folk are suffering from poverty and the folk that have got problems in rural poverty and housing because of a 10-year council tax freeze, which is now coming back to bite us. Alistair, <clears throat> oh, you wanted to come in there. Thank you. Yeah, um, just listening to the comments from Councillor Duff and Councillor Wilson, I was thinking on the way in this morning that it'll be interesting to see how soon it is before people who are seeking election to Perth and Kinross Council decide to blame another body for their woes and say it's not their fault and they couldn't have done anything about it. As I said, um, I saw this cost of living crisis coming. The budgets I proposed alongside the independents had solutions and real creative solutions to them. But instead, um, the first question today, and already two of my um, uh, colleagues here are blaming um, other bodies over which they have no control rather than doing their own homework in Perth. Thank you. Okay, so, Duff, I'll just come back to you, give you a chance to respond to some of that, and then we'll move, maybe move on to the next question, if that's okay. Yeah, thanks. Um, two points, if I may. In terms of uh, the budget settlement this year, all 32 local authorities, including the SNP councils, um, complained about the settlement from the Scottish Government this year. None of us were happy at the Scottish Government, and Audit Scotland has made it quite clear of the underfunding that's going on uh, in the last uh, five years, at the very least. Uh, in relation to the council houses issue that uh, Councillor McDade raised, um, the Conservatives have been um, building new social units, social housing units and buybacks and conversions at twice the rate of the previous SNP administration. In 2015, there were 126 new social housing and in the last three years, the Conservatives have built 250 in each of these three years. So. You know, our record in creating new social council housing is quite good. Thank you. There'll be, be lots more discussion on all these topics, I'm sure. Um, cost of living has been a big, big one for, for our readers, people kind of sending in uh, questions. Could, could I come back? Yeah, Grant, if you want to just put yeah, please. Um, I said before I came in here today the, that I would be concentrating on what we can do at Perth and Kinross instead of blaming everybody else for what we can do. We had the chance of that last budget to help people in need. That's why in our budget we, we want to increase capacity by putting three more welfare rights teams in there. That's why we wanted to put £600,000 in for people to bid in for, as I've said. These were measures that we needed to take forward with the, the, the the climate emergency and also with the the cost of heating. That's why the SNP group put a million pounds in to look for innovative new ways to have district heating schemes, to pilot it, to see where people can get uh, generate their own uh, electricity and means of heating their own homes. This was all um, 
this is what we should be doing as we're coming out in COVID recovery and facing problems, spending the money now to look to waste the future and not use it as a sticking plaster for something else. Perth and Kinross Council are sitting about 3% of the, in reserves already, which is what, where we're meant to be between 2 and 4%. So in general reserves, there's no excuse not to spend the money just now. It's a spend to save scheme. We should, be, we should have spent it. And uh, as Councillor Duff knows and Councillor Wilson, we didn't in our budget put to spend at all. And I'd advise MD who wants to find out where the money would have been spent to look at our uh, budget. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to move on to the next question on this, and um, this one comes from Colleen. Um, so over the past year or so, we've seen an alarming number of businesses in Perth close their doors. Uh, I'm thinking particularly about several on St John Street, you've got Debenhams and the High Street and many more. Um, Colleen wants to know, what are you going to do to encourage better shops to come to Perth? Um, I'd like to answer that one, but I'd also like you to talk about how we can improve High Streets right across the council area. Um, Alistair, I'll come to you on that first of all, please. Perfect, thank you, Derek. And I think, first of all, specifically in Perth, um, we have some wonderful independent traders and independent shops that have an offer that you can't get anywhere else in the country, if not anywhere else in the world. And we also have, obviously, the chains that you'll find in every location. I think one of the challenges we have in Perth is that post the e-commerce age and post the acceleration to that transition that was caused by the COVID, um, the, the COVID crisis, we now have a city centre that is a retail heart to the said city that is too large. My solution would be, and keeping in mind from my experience in retail, that retail is all about footfall. If you're a retailer, you want to be in a spot that has a lot of people passing your door. You want to be able to attract a lot of people in who are passing your window. We need to actually create a more concentrated and smaller retail centre within Perth. And then some of what we do through planning policy and other incentives of the council with the, with the other property can help actually answer some of what, um, what colleagues today have mentioned about the housing crisis. I think we need to make it easier to convert other buildings into affordable housing or maybe um, remote working hubs for people to, to harness the new knowledge-based economy in order that we have a, a sustainable and right-sized retail hub in Perth so that businesses can thrive from being near to other ones and not suffer this terrible problem they have today. You might have one great independent shop, but then three vacant units, then another great independent shop. That means both those independent shops are at risk. But if we create the environment where we're able to fill in the gaps between those, then we create a better shopping experience and attract more people. I think also we need to bring families back into Perth City Centre. We need to make it an attractive place with maybe bringing some green spaces, maybe some play parks into the city centre to attract people back. And I think the same principles can apply to the former borough towns as well of preserving a, a retail hub, but allowing, um, allowing that to thrive through a bit more concentration because I think things have become a bit too diluted. Thank you. John, you're kind of effectively filling in for the council leader today, so it'll be very interested to hear your response to that. Sure. Um, well, our um, budget motions have always been um, you know, well focused in terms of, of business, what we can do for local businesses. And if you look at our budget motion, certainly over the last few years, you will see a number of initiatives in relation to um, businesses and, you know, crowdfunding initiatives, um, adapt your property initiatives, open for business initiatives, uh, and, and uh, uh, you know, a number of things that we're doing to help existing businesses. Um, under the Tay Cities deal, we secured money for Perth City Hall, which we're currently converting uh, into uh, a new museum, which will house the Stone of Destiny. We are expecting that to bring in upwards of 300,000 visitors to the city centre, which can only be good for, um, for business in there. Um, we have put uh, £90 million into a new PH2O, Sport and Leisure premises, for, for uh, Perth and Kinross. And um, we have uh, an economic well-being plan, which we will work to, which has various strands that will help to diversify uh, the economy in Perth and to, um, to, to support and improve it. We are also looking to uh, make, get money from the Shared Prosperity Fund, which we've just announced in terms of the UK government, which I think will be uh, very, very good for Perth and Kinross. We will get a greater share of the monies from the uh, 
shared prosperity funding we perhaps might have achieved under uh, European Union funds. So okay, can, can I ask you though, John? I mean, mm. uh, you know, I'm sure we all know the pandemic's played a role in this and, yes. and shutting some of these shops. Um, but I wonder, has your party done enough in administration to help with this, do you think? Yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, our, our, our budget motions have always been focused on, um, on, on, on business. Economic prosperity of the region leads to so many other things in terms of, we talked about uh, poverty and about trying to attract better paid jobs, that higher quality jobs. And we are doing everything that we can to attract uh, new businesses. There are a number of things that are coming up, um, like uh, a Project um, Beacon, which is about um, uh, waste, uh, sorry, uh, recycling plastics, which will bring uh, private sector money into the area. So there are a number of things that the council are doing to try and attract business to, um, to Perth City and to the area, Perth and Kinross in general. And uh, certainly as Conservatives, obviously business is important to us. Well, is enough being done and what more can be done? Well, you can never do too much is, is the very one-line answer to that. I think, first of all, we, we need to have some more partnership working on the regeneration of, of town, borough, as it's been referred to, and, and city centre stuff. Uh, that would involve the Scottish Government because they've got a role in commercial, um, commercial rates um, for a start. Um, secondly, we need to involve the private sector in that because there are people who are holding on to properties at the moment who should be uh, allowing them to be used. We need to um, speak much more, and I think there's a, a, a city centre meeting that's held regularly, John, um, uh, that I think Grant's been invited to um, uh, as well, to, to look at ideas with the council. And I think we need to look at opportunities for reusing some um, premises that we've got. Um, Alistair's quite right. We need much more housing in, in the city centre. We should be attracting folk to live in the city centre and, if I can say, shop and play in the city centre as well, um, and not necessarily for car owners because that just brings a whole traffic issue about parking. We should be actually marketing. We need to increase our offer in terms of hospitality and uh, and entertainment. We've got the concert hall reopening again now. Um, we've got the theatre reopening. We've got huge assets like Blair Castle and Schoon Palace around about where folk can go. We, we, we have a proposal uh, to, to take forward the use of uh, council redundant properties um, uh, under discussion at the moment. We, we have this, the city hall scheme, but we also need to work a lot more collegiately with the voluntary sector and the private sector in generating um, ways of keeping folk in the town, attracting them into town. Free bus fares, for instance, on a Saturday morning will bring loads of folk into town uh, and enjoy things. And our event strategy has got to be targeted towards much more towards local businesses as well. Grant, for you. Uh, thanks. Back to your original question. Um, I see the problem um, through city centres throughout um, the UK and Scotland and that is is down to uh, COVID and people have got into uh, buying the stuff online and deliveries. So the shops are, are feeling pressure. Um, um, and so I think that's one of the main issues that we've moved on. We're not in the 50s, 60s, 70s now where people would go for their big shop to their towns or uh, nearest town or nearest city. So, so what, would you, what would you do differently from the current administration then? What would you look so to do? What I would look to do is, as what Xander said and, and Councillor Wilson said, is that we need to use the excess surplus commercial space and make it easy to be planning to turn it into um, uh, domestic um, uh, occupation because the more people we have at the footfall, it gives more of a buzz. Dundee is fortunate that it has a university that's situated in the centre of the town, gives it a buzz all year. Perth has an um, UHI, but it's on the outskirts and the residents are on the outskirts of it. I would like to see some student flats, etc., in the centre of the town. And I think that would bring life back to the, the city centre. But it's not just about Perth. We've got, um, we've got buzzing towns like uh, Pitlochry and Dunkeld, where there's a totally different offer. It is the offer of um, uh, independent shops, where people are coming, they've got the out, the outside area, the green spaces, but they've also got nice restaurants and nice independent shops. That's where Perth 
has to focus. You know, the, the, the national shops that come in, there's only three or four brands there. We have, we've got some great small independent jewelers, etc., um, where people are making stuff and craft design. And we, that's where we've got to focus for Perth and Ross. People come to visit Perth and Ross mainly for the, the outdoor space and the, the, the rural areas, but they should be using Perth as a base. The offer is there with the universe, with the concert hall and the theatre, but we have to also provide much better transport links because uh, where I stay, the last bus is, uh, for six days of the week is quarter past eight at night to get out to Spitalfield. Who's going to come? You can't come and see a show, have a drink or anything like that. And it may be a lost leader, but we, if we can attract people in by looking at demand-responsive transport and um, uh, other incre uh, tweaking the public transport system to, to get people into the city. I think that would benefit the whole centre of, of uh, Perth. Sandra, I want to come to you on that as well. You're here because obviously you're representing a group of independents on the council at the moment. Um, how important an issue is this for, for those independent councillors? And uh, is that something that would be, play a key role for you in the council, would you think, this, this term? I think absolutely. I think we've um, worked quite hard on this issue because actually our uh, borough towns, as we're describing them today, have been perhaps more affected um, and earlier affected in some of these cases. Um, so we've, as a group in our budget, amendments have put forward money uh, numerous times to try and make improvements to places like Creef Town Centre um, and for Pitlochry. So I think we are very much committed to the issue and actually I'm quite um, interested to that we do have a consensus, um, broadly speaking, uh, Councillor Bailey Wilson and Lane have all spoken um, of the need to consolidate our town centres um, and very much that we need to get more residents into town centres, and I think that that's a positive direction. Um, you know, I talked about this when we were agreeing the LDP because actually that is something the council does control. You know, we're talking about things that the council can do. The council could put this into policy as part of the LDP, make it easier for people to have those conversions. Um, I think it's important also just to talk about we could do a lot more. The council has a lot more powers than often they utilise. Um, and we have CPO powers, we have a lot of new powers that are coming down from the Scottish Parliament as well. So, uh, you know, admittedly, a lot of the discussion today has been about our hands being tied by Holyrood. Sometimes we're given new powers um, and we need to utilise those as well. So I think I'd like to see us look at how we might utilise those powers. I think post-COVID, we need to be a lot more like the post-war government was around how we're going to rebuild our communities and actually look at this in a much bigger context. Um, and I think just final sort of thing, I absolutely agree with Councillor Ling's point about transport and uh, I think from my point of view, one of the things that um, was mentioned by Councillor Duff around funding, um, our independent councillors and the Labour councillor proposed putting money, £10 million, into a future services wealth fund that would have helped stimulate business growth and help provide a return for the council to fund those services in the future. And that would be utilising council funds in an innovative way that actually helps generate investment in the economy and helps um, our communities to grow. So I think we do need to start looking at new ways of doing things, innovative ways of doing things, um, and actually there's a lot of potential there. It's just about whether there's the political will, and I think today's going to be an example of whether there is the political will to do some of these things or not. Well, speaking of political will, let's talk about the aftermath of this election. Uh, Nicola Sturgeon says she's optimistic that the SNP will take control of Perth and Ross Council following the Partygate scandal at Westminster. Grant, how optimistic are you that you could be the next leader of this council? Well, um, I'm optimistic that the SNP group could form an administration. Um, whether it is a, a majority, a, a, whether it is a... a a coalition. I think the way that Perth and Kinross is set up in the SDV, I think it's unlikely for any group to take uh, overall control of the council. I would be confident of being the largest group. Um, the, the choice then will be I may not be elected, which there's, every, there's a possibility for everyone. And if I am and we are, I, will not, I cannot assume that I will be the leader of our group. So there's a few hurdles to go before I will become the could become the leader of the uh, Perth and Kinross Council. Um, I, if I was, I think I'll not blame anybody. I think with COVID, 
There's not been the uh, sort of cross-party working because you're just seeing people on Zoom. You're not meeting anybody for a cup of tea or, or to sit and break bread with them. And I think a lot of the sting can be taken out if you're sitting speaking about people's families as you get to know them and that. So I would like to think that um, I, I don't believe that anybody of any party stands for election and Perth and Ross Council doesn't want to do the best for their, for their constituents. I think we've all got that aim. I think we maybe have to uh, work closer together but, and I would like to do that if I was uh, uh, leader of the council, if I was fortunate enough to be in that. But yes, I'm confident that the SNP group will be the, the, the largest group after it. And as I said before, I'm not going to go on about um, what's happening in, uh, with Boris Johnson or, or what's happening at Holyrood even. I just came here today to talk about what we can do best with what we've got for the people of Perth and Kinross. John, the council is currently led by a minority Conservative administration. Is Nicola Sturgeon right to say that this party gate scandal could see your, your party lose control? No, not at all. I don't think. It's certainly, the message we're getting on the doorsteps is that our support is, is still very strong. Um, that How much of an impact will Boris Johnson have? Of course, there are some folk who are concerned about events elsewhere. I understand that and I understand why people are are angry at, at thing, how things have transpired. But it's not translating into um, people, our supporters, saying that they won't continue to support us. They recognise that local government elections are about local issues, and it's about who you want in uh, Two High Street in Perth to run the council in terms of dealing with the, the, the local issues, the everyday issues that they, um, they um, want dealt with. Uh, we're fielding 22 candidates. Uh, in, in all 12, well, across all 12 wards. We're working very hard to get as many of them elected as we can. And we're confident that we will still be the largest group in Perth and Kinross Council come the 6th of May. Grant, I know, I know you're keen to come back. First of all, um, I, think, I think what we'll do is, I think we'll try and get on record um, who would work with who coming out of this election and who would be willing to you know, speak and do deals and arrangements and things. So I appreciate you wanting to come back in that, but if I could also ask you as part yeah. of the question, what other parties here would you be willing to work with and which ones would you not? It would, you'd have to sit together and talk about what your, um, what your aims are and what your main priorities are. And it may be an informal one where, where people can come and support each other on individual items. I don't think um, it's far too early to say without the, com the, the comment. When it comes to uh, doing the best, but I would want to speak to anybody and listen to what they've got to say. Nobody, none of us have got the, the monopoly on common sense or, or the way to take things forward. You have to be pragmatic, you have to listen, um, you have to stay true to what you've promised the people um, in your manifesto. You cannot um, just rip up and throw it away. So a lot would come depend on what, what discussions took place after it, because every, we're, we're aiming to win it just now. We're aiming to win it as a majority, as a, um, an overall majority. If we don't, then we'll speak to people. And I'm sure the other parties are doing the same. I don't think you're talking about. I would like to come back to John, though. I find it quite amusing that he's at this election talking about, it's all about local issues and, and do that. He certainly wasn't talking about it in 2017. It was a one issue thing. He doesn't want to talk about Boris. He doesn't want to talk about Brexit and that. He's saying it's all local issues. I'm speaking to people in the door and they are furious that people were out partying while they they're weren't allowed to visit their old people, who wasn't allowed. And if, if he honestly thinks that nobody remembers that and he wants to talk about uh, council policy and things that affect council, he didn't talk about that in 2017. Alistair, I think you'll have a really, possibly a really interesting position on this. Mm -hmm. um, your party leader says that Labour candidates won't go into coalitions with the SNP or the Conservatives. Um, you're part of this independent group and I've been working with Xander on that. Yeah. Um, if they go into a coalition with, or an, into a working arrangement with, with either of those parties, mm -hmm. are you going to have to leave that group? I think, um, if I may, just to comment on Partygate, I think the really sad thing about Partygate is that it sullies all of our names 
a lot of the conversations on the doorsteps I've had is that people just aren't going to vote because they essentially think we're all the same. So I think that's a really sad thing for our democratic process, that the way that think people have conducted themselves in that other place far away that we have no control over has re- will, I think, re- re- reduce the turnout. But very sadly, I think the Tories' core vote don't care and will still come out and vote. So I think the only way that John actually gets a good election is actually if Partygate results in other people not coming out and vote because they feel so utterly fed up with the process. In terms of the question you asked about um, Labour's position with coalitions, you're quite right. I'm in a a loose grouping at the moment with the independents in opposition. Um, I like to think we've punched above our weight in terms of how we've held both the Conservatives and when they were in the coalition, the Liberal Democrats, to account at Perth and Kinross. Occasionally, we've given the SNP as the largest opposition group a good run for their money. And I think sometimes we've put them in an awkward position because we've brought things to the agenda that otherwise might not have been put on the agenda. And I think that um, being that that sort of third voice in the chamber has been a very, very important role and one that's led to some good outcomes for people like the paying of the living wage early for people, the bringing of the um, doubling of the number of Afghan interpreter refugees that we accepted to the region. They were things that we as a grouping in opposition put onto the agenda. We're happy to obviously have people of all colours and none support them. In terms of the forward-looking point, um, I'd hope that we return more than just myself as a Labour councillor after this round of elections. And then that group of Labour councillors would, I think, without a doubt, sit in opposition and we would look to um, bring our own policies to the fore. We'd always bring our own fully costed budgets to show that there is a, an alternative. And we would, of course, any time where people bring things to the agenda that support our agenda of social justice, equality and fair deals for workers, addressing the housing crisis, doing a lot of the laudable things that people around the table have said today, then we'd, of course, vote for those things. But if they're not bringing those things, we won't be voting for them. So I think but, it's... But I mean, realistically, though, yeah. there can't be any future with, with, with the independent group then, can there? If that's, if that's your party leader's position, then you're going to stick to that. There can't be a future there. Either, either you get enough Labour councils that need to form your own group, mm-hmm. or if there's any deal done with any party, then you can't be part of it, surely. Within opposition, there isn't, need, there isn't a need for there to be a formal... Um, agreement signed or anything like that. So there's a possibility that I could continue to work with independents or other parties within opposition. But most definitely, if the independents or some of them, I mean, we don't know that all the independents will act in union this time. If some of the independents move into administration, then of course, we'd part company, but hopefully remain friends. Okay, so Andrew, it'd be interesting to get your take on that. I mean, there's potentially here, there's a way that's going to work out where that group, your independent group, could hold the balance of power. Um, so first of all, just to respond to Alistair's point there, how, how do you feel about that? I think there's a very likely scenario where um, neither the Conservatives or the SNP get a majority, um, and therefore the smaller uh, groups do hold the balance of power, and what that looks like is entirely up to the voters um, in terms of how many they elect. Um, in terms of, I'm you know a great believer in innovative solutions, so there are a whole um, host of options as to what that might look like, and I can't uh, say who's going to be elected on the six. So you know by the time we get to six of May, and therefore I don't know what the reviews are all going to be on this. However, um, what I can say, I think for the elected council, independent councillors at the moment, what we will be looking for from whatever colour of administration is looking to be formed is a five-year plan as to what they're going to do, and a public five-year plan that commits them to policies um, and that actually sets a direction for the council, because for the last five years, we've basically stumbled from one full council to the next, um, and it's actually just really, really bad governance for the, for the council and for people. Um, and I think whatever the colour is, whether it's SNP or Conservative, we will want to see a five-year plan. We'll obviously want to see um, them be collegiate, uh, whichever colour of administration it might be, um, and take on board the points that other councillors have. And I think I think Councillor Lane said earlier, you know, none of us have a monopoly on good ideas, none of us um, have a monopoly on what actually innovative solutions look like. And I think one of the things that's been really disappointing for the past five years is the total lack of cross-party working. And that has been, that has been mostly at the, the door of the administration. We have every time there's been a budget, our group has always gone to both the main uh, parties to say we're looking to work with you um, and actually 
had basically no, no response to these things. And I think that change needs to come because actually, if we're to have a successful council that actually works for everyone, it does need to involve um, as much people as possible. And I do work with John on a, on a positive basis on some things, and I work with Grant on a positive basis on some things, and I'll work with Willie and Alistair on you know, some things. But I think we actually need to get a much more collegiate atmosphere. I don't think it's been good through COVID, but it wasn't good before that either. So whatever comes on the 6th of May, it has to be an actual plan for the future, and that everyone uh, knows what that plan is, and as many people as possible sign up to it. I mean, there'll obviously be discussions after May 5th, you know, there'll be discussions with all parties, I'm sure. I think that people would be really interested to know, what are the costs for your group going in? What are the, what are the key things? You've talked kind of generally there about having a five-year planning thing, but actually, what is it you would, you would require from each of the two parties to, to potentially work with them? Personally, um, as a, you know, from, from my, for my first starting point is, I actually want them to commit to a five-year plan, which might sound like an easy thing, but it's not going to be a very easy thing. Um, and I'm fascinated to hear what some people's uh, policies are today, because actually, um, on the doorstep, certainly the leaflets I'm getting through are not um, terribly, you know, so John is talking about local issues. Um, as Grant said, the last election was entirely about independence uh, and their leaflets. So this is the first time we're actually seeing what their um, position is going to be. Last night, John and I were at Hustings, and he says they're not going to abide by the National Party's council tax position. So actually, I want to know what they are going to um, be you know, proposing before I'm going to agree to any, any deals. From my point of view, our position as a, as a group of independents has been quite clear over the past five years as to the direction we want to see. We want to see innovation. So we're going to want to see affordable housing commitments, real affordable housing commitments in rural communities. Um, we're going to want to see investment in our high streets that has been mentioned already. And we're going to want stuff on the cost of living, and we're going to want that more immediately than you know, waiting till next year's budget. So there's going to be real things that we're going to want to see out of that. Um, and I think fundamentally, we're going to want a different approach to how the councils run. We want to see a more localised approach, less per-centric, less centralised, and actually a much more community-based uh, and working with communities, um, which has not been the position for the past five years. Well, your party leader has been quite scathing about both the SNP and certainly about Boris Johnson in recent weeks. Um, I wonder if that puts your party in quite an awkward, your group in quite an awkward position, really, in terms of thinking about who you might work with. Where would you stand on this? It's not awkward at all. Partygate demeans the democratic process every hour of every day. Full stop. The Scottish Liberal Democrat. Um, campaign in Perth and Cadross is to establish a strong group of Scott Lib Dem councillors who will work hard for their communities and will look at the situation as regards balance when it occurs. I think my colleagues are right. If you, if you, if you exclude things, first of all, the local group will decide what they do. There's no central control in their party. There's respect for what the local situations are, and I think that's sensible. Um, I, I, I want to remind some of my colleagues of a little bit of history because Grant said a wee while ago about collegiate working. Um, and I've got a vivid memory of September 2019 when the majority of the Conservative group um, decided that they would chuck the Liberal Democrats out of their partnership working um, in, in the council. And that was on the basis that the SNP were going to come along and work closely with the administration, right? I was in the room at the time, and everybody else was in the room at the time, right? right. So that's a bit of reality. That, that lasted three hours at the council meeting um, after we, we, were, we were replaced in various roles, um, when there was a vote taken which the SNP challenged a key issue about the, uh, uh, about the running of the council. Now, that opportunity was there. The ball was at Grantling's feet and his colleagues' feet. He wasn't the leader at the time, he was a deputy leader, but uh, Councillor Dugan, who has now gone to the other place, by that I mean... That's Westminster, speaking, just anyway. Yes, uh, well, that's what they say about the Lords, you know, the other place. You know, but I was speaking to Davies Hale and Harty, um, uh, speaking to him at his doorstep a, a few days ago. But um, that opportunity existed for this collegiate thing that, that Grant wanted to do. I haven't seen much of that working. 
I haven't seen Murray Lyle slamming his door as the leader of the council on any occasion, or for that matter, John Duff um, help him hold the door shut. Um, I, I regret there hasn't been more discussion. I do take the point that we have been seeing each other more on Zoom than in reality. And sometimes you can go in and chew the fat with somebody um, very firmly without offending them or upsetting them and telling them what you think if you shut the door and tell them. Councillor Ling and I have had several of these sessions um, over, over the years. Um, the, but the blunt truth is that when you're in a situation, and I think there will be a minority administration of some sort, um, and there will be a strong Lib Dem group, and I, I guess there will be an independent group, but I, I, I don't know anything about your campaign, so I can't comment on that. Right? So there will be a, a, a balance. I, I don't have a clue about what the detail will be. That's in the hands of the, the electors. But there are several key things. First of all, you look at the folk and you work out on terms of personality who you can work with, right? That's really important because if you can't get the personality bit right, the policy will not follow. It is a key driver that will take you forward. And for instance, if you want to consider Xander's five-year plan, then the, how you can work with somebody is, is really important. I'm not saying it's the only factor, but it's a very important one. And then there are the policies. You've got to have an agreed agenda because otherwise it just doesn't work. And we thought we had an agreed agenda in the last council when Xander was part of the administration and when Alistair was part of the administration. And that lasted for six months or so until folk flaked off, right? Um, I personally have a very jaundiced view now on partnership working in the councils following our experience in the last five years, to be quite honest. And I would be very hesitant at rushing um, for my colleagues to rush into any formal arrangement. There are a whole set of different arrangements and sometimes it's quite simply to have a confidence and supply arrangement with somebody or a case-by-case -case basis. But I'm just going to cut you off because I'm very, very okay. conscious of time. Yep. What I'm going to do is I realise that there's a couple of people in the room who want to come back and some of the things we've discussed. Um, I want always keen to give you a chance to make your final pitch to voters ahead of May 5th. So, um, John, I'll start with you. We'll go around the room. If we keep it very, very brief, just again, conscious of time. If you want to wrap up for me, please, and just with that final pitch as well. Thank you. Okay. I didn't really get a chance to answer that last question. And, and obviously, there is a likelihood that there will not be an outright majority probably on the council and that um, you know we will work, we have worked with the Lib Dems and the Independents and Labour, I think were part of the administration before I was elected in, in a by-election in 2018. Um, I think I'm a collegiate kind of person. I try to be uh, as open and, and uh, as, as collegiate as I can. We have been in minority administration recently and I think we've managed to get our business done all the same. In the end of the day, what we want to do is what's best for Perth and Kinross. And I think, by and large, we all agree what is best for Perth and Kinross. We maybe don't agree about the route to get there. And I think that's the, the kind of difference between the various parties. Um, as far as the Conservatives are concerned, I've made my pitch and told you what our priorities are. Um, I hope that uh, people in Perth and Kinross will support the Conservative, uh, return of a Conservative administration. And it's all about local issues, and the Conservatives are the best to get local issues addressed. Thank you. Alistair. Thank you. Um, a vote for Scottish Labour in Perth Kinross is a vote for a party that will truly take care of, of local issues, much like people will have seen me doing in my own world via Facebook and the press. Um, it's something I've been doing, I have a five-year track record of. I'm not a Johnny-come-lately whose who's leaflets last time were all about no to second indie ref, but now suddenly are about local issues. I've been about local issues for five years. A vote for Scottish Labour is a vote for um, an agenda of social justice, a fair deal for workers, and a continuation of really what we've been doing for the past five years, of holding both sides to account at Perth and Kinross Council. We're sure to have a big SNP group, we're sure to have a big Conservative group, and I plan to continue to hold them both to account whenever they do crazy stuff. So if things like the frozen school meals come back to the agenda. I'll obviously be supporting bringing our kids' school meals back to local production in the schools where they are. And I'll also continue to make sure that we have an efficient council, that we're not raising taxes just for the sake of preserving money in the bank in very difficult times for you as voters.
Thank you. Willie. Thank you. Um, well, voting for Scottish Liberal Democrat candidates and councillors will ensure that you've got councillors who work all year round, keep in touch with their electorate and get things done. Um, unlike some parties who seem to keep out of the, the, the political uh, undergrowth when elections are coming along. Uh, I, we've got a strong track record of working hard all year round. Um, and I think I stand on, on, on much on that record. Uh, I think we have a, a set of priority. We need to tackle the COVID recovery, this, this, the triple whammy of Brexit, COVID, and the current um, crisis in, in terms of costing and, and prices. And that's, that's a big priority for the whole council. Uh, and uh, whoever's back need to have a plan for tackling that and a way of dealing with the problems that we've discussed and, and some we've, we've agreed on, others we've not agreed on. But it's particularly important that people go out and vote and vote um, positively in this election to ensure that they get the council that I hope they deserve. Grant. Thank you very much. I would ask people to go out and vote for the SNP uh, candidates in the Perth and Kinross uh, council elections. I think I'm proud to stand on where, at a party level, um, we, the SNP have given a council tax credit of £150 to everybody uh, in all households in Bands A to D. We're continuing with A9 duelling, still free prescriptions in Scotland, 9.35 per item in the, in the rest of the UK. Uh, council tax on average £500 less per household than in England. Free bus travel now for our under 22s as well as our over 60s. Ch expansion of childcare. Uh, uh, and family support. But that, in a local level, this is what our aspiration now, if I am leader of the, uh, the council, I will be driving forward rural housing, improving transport links, education, especially for our rural schools. We will, we will provide more social care assistance for people who are facing the, 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 all the difficulties uh, financially that we have just now. We will review the Tory decision to, to serve uh, frozen school meals to our children um, at the first possible opportunity. We will work to pr provide a national, help provide a national care service so that um, our elderly can be cared for and the people working in that service are properly paid uh, for the great work they do. We've also, uh, one of the most exciting things I have is the sustainability uh, uh, for the environment where we've, we've introduced a million pounds to fund environmentally friendly pro projects and creation of electricity down to uh, wildflower um, planting or seeding throughout uh, areas to feed our pollinators and that. We have to become more environmentally aware. I'm afraid the council has made, has made great uh, comment the administration, but we couldn't even um, uh, provide free bus transport. Instead, we've provided free parking at Christmas. Um, that would all have to change. And Zander? Yes. Um, so if you vote for an independent councillor on the 5th of May, you are guaranteed to get someone who will be putting their constituents ahead of party politics because they don't need to put a party ahead of their constituents. And we've seen over the past five years a lot of councillors who have voted against their own ward interests, against um, their own uh, constituents' interests. Uh, whilst independent councillors, we have been fighting hard and often winning uh, results uh, for our constituents. Um, and those are clear to see. Uh, there has been independent councillors who have been the casting vote, saving rural schools in their wards and in other wards. Um, we have been the casting vote on a number of decisions. And if you return independent councillors on the 5th of May, you will be guaranteed people who will likely hold the balance of power, as we've heard, and therefore will be able to put your, your interests and those of your ward um, at the front. And I think also uh, it's important that we play a wider role in that. Uh, council, we have stood up for the interests of the wider Perth and Kinross interests, not just our ward interests, but um, wider interests for uh, the uh, good governance of the council. We've opposed things like um, senior directors getting pay rise in the middle of the COVID pandemic. We've stood up for the environment um, by proposing the alternative route for the Cross Tate Link Road so it didn't go through the middle of housing in ancient woodland. Um, we have done an awful lot um, of big issues as well as local issues. Um, so if you vote for independent on the 5th of May,
you can be sure that they will be putting uh, their constituents first ahead of any party politics. That's great, thank you. Um, I'd just like to thank all of our guests. Um, there's just time for me to make my final pitch to voters, which is that there are lots of fantastic candidates standing in Perth and Ross, far more than we could ever have on for an event like this. Uh, I hope you'll go online, check them out, see what they've got to say in your local area. But for now, take care. Thanks for listening to this special edition of The Stushy. The original debates were filmed at DC Thompson head office in Dundee and can be watched in full by going to the Courier website and going to the politics pages. Thanks to Derek Healy for hosting, Stushy producer Morvan McIntyre, the teams in Dundee and of course to you for listening. We'll be back next week with more, but until then, and even after then, pick up or log on to The Courier, The Press and Journal and all of our news brands so that you can be better briefed. The Stushy is the politics podcast from DC Thompson, designed to help you understand the implications of what happens in Holyrood, Westminster and our communities so that you can be better briefed. Don't miss an episode by following The Stushy today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. And if you know folks like you who want to understand politics in Scotland a little better, suggest they tune in or follow Stushy Scott on Twitter and Facebook. And stay even more up to date on local and Scottish news by subscribing to The Courier or Press and Journal, where you can get one month of unlimited access for just £1. Check the episode notes for details and terms.